Welcome to Penn Daily. I'm your host, Julia Van Lair. Today is October 6th, 2021. Welcome to the first episode of our brand new podcast, bringing you weekly news recaps and in-depth interviews with DP reporters. Every Tuesday and Friday, tune into Penn Daily for a short, insightful look into top stories. Here are your top stories for today. On Friday, Penn football returned to play Dartmouth in the program's first game since 2019. The Quakers lost 31-7 and will play Lehigh on a home game on October 9th. Mask and Wig, a musical comedy club that has been historically all-male, will accept members of all genders starting in the fall of 2022. 50 undergraduates and additional alumni voted on this measure last week. Extremist Christian protesters on the College Green drew anger from the Penn community as they yelled slurs only feet away from a separate campus safety event. This is not the first protest of its kind due to Penn's status as an open campus, but the protesters' offensive language shocked many students. Penn's policy currently states that pedestrians are allowed on Locust Walk except in cases of hate speech. Penn App Path, a new software designed to improve and replace Penn in Touch, will launch on March 14, 2022. The program is set to include a clearer interface, mobile compatibility, and a swap feature as a class selection option beyond add and drop. Our top story for today is the protests that were held last week outside of Psi Epsilon Fraternity, better known as Castle. On September 23rd, the DP published reporter Lindsay Perlman's article headlined Penn student assaulted at a Castle fraternity party, leaving him with severe injuries. According to a witness, the alleged assault occurred in a party on September 4th. The victim of the assault was allegedly punched between 10 to 20 times without the intervention of other Castle brothers. The Penn community responded with outrage and activism, including a chalking campaign and posters that contained a QR code linking to the original DP article. These protests culminated in a series of sit-ins on Castle's porch along Locust Walk. Our guest is Camille Houston, who reported on the subsequent protests outside of Castle. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm great. Um, can you please start by telling me about last week's protests outside of Castle? Yeah, sure. So basically the protests were held on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of last week um, from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And they were held in front of Castle on the patio, so directly across from Arch. So the protest was basically organized and attended by a variety of student groups. Um, and the demands were centered around like four key demands about the alleged, um, the alleged assault that took place. So the protesters were demanding that Penn release a statement um, acknowledging that the assault took place, that Castle remove the perpetrator from the fraternity, that Penn expel the student. Um, and they also demanded that Penn police take action. And then another demand that was like really central to the protest, and I think like really speaks to like a longer like I guess history of like people protesting against frat culture on campus is the demand that Castle be removed from Locust Walk. And do we know anything about how those demands were perceived by the general public? So I can't, I don't know if I can comment necessarily on like how they were like perceived, but I can definitely say that the demands in their protests were the victim's demands. So they were like the main goal of the protest in the day was elevate what the victim wanted and needed from Penn. So I know that the organizers of the protests worked hard to not politicize like what they were fighting for and keep it from like, yeah, just generally like, being associated with like, any like political like advocacy. Thinking about how the demands were perceived, um, I, I'm sure that it's not popular for everyone to kick cast off a Lucas walk or to expel a student for instance that a lot of people probably don't think happened. Um, but I can say that looking at the petition that like what has like I think over a thousand signatures now that's calling for Castle to be removed from Locus, I can definitely say that there is more support for the demands and then you can probably tell just by looking at like who attended the protest. Um, Cause I think at like the climax of the protest, like maybe like 50 people were attending. Um, but then you also see like a thousand signatures like on this petition. 
So it's hard to say that like not a lot of people were supporting it, but you can see like people showing support in different ways. And the petition, was this a petition that was also created by students that were attending the protest? Was it the same kind of group? No, I don't think so. I think that, I don't think any, I, I don't know who made the petition personally, but I don't think it was affiliated with the protest. Um, and I also want to say that um, when thinking about like the alleged assault that took place and how it was like allegedly racially motivated, um, I, I can say that like, I feel like a lot of people who maybe don't support the protest demands or aren't like, I guess, sympathizing with them, like from what I've like observed from attending the protest, people who probably aren't, I guess, maybe like affected by that issue um, or like who haven't, like who wouldn't know anyone who like could be targeted um, like on the basis of like ethnicity or like racial background. Um, so I can say I have observed like some students who like, I guess, don't agree with the protest or like treat it like kind of like flippantly um, or something to joke about because like it's just not an issue that's important to them. Gotcha. Um, so in your article, you wrote that some students at the protest crat- uh, criticized frat culture. Um, can you talk about what the castle mm-hmm. protest reveals about the wider conflict within the Penn community regarding frats and what frats mean at Penn? Right. Um, so I know in the article I talked about how so at the protest, I asked a few students how they would define frat culture and the kind of like prevailing, like I guess way of looking at that was that frat culture is like very exclusionary, um, particularly towards people of color um, and how people of color can be like singled out um, and in some instances like assaulted um, like by like fraternities and also, well, yeah, like by fraternities. Um, so I think speaking to like wider issues of frat culture on campus, it speaks to, I guess, how a lot of people, not even this instance, but in general can feel like unsafe on Lucas Walk or just uncomfortable walking on Penn's campus because I feel like they could be targeted or in danger. Um, and obviously this isn't only limited to people of color or like specific like racial groups, ethnic groups, like not to generalize, like everyone has different experiences, but you can, but if you think about it, just like a feeling of like, I don't belong here. Um, like I talked to one student and she mentioned how she doesn't want to feel like unsafe walking down Locust Walk. Um, and so I think this incident kind of like really like sheds light on like how frat culture can manifest, especially towards like people of color. Um, but there has, like I've mentioned before, like there have been calls to like remove cast from Locust Walk like before this um, and like outside of this context. So if anything, it just like shows that this has been like a really long standing issue at Penn um, for a considerable amount of time. So I know that you you said that you interviewed people at the protest, you were there. Is there anything that you saw or heard at the protest that we haven't talked about? Um, maybe like some of the chants that you were hearing or um, if it looks like it was making a, a sizable impact on people walking by Locust Walk or anything like that. Is there anything else you noticed? Um, I'll say while I was at the protest, there were people who walked by who like would engage with the protesters and like ask them like, why are you protesting? Like what's going on? Um, and the protesters would like explain like what happened or like, um, and also like what their demands are. The protesters have like multiple signs that they used and they also had a lot of different chants. So stuff like silence is violence. Um, they also talked about holding fraternities accountable, um, stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, okay, is there anything regarding um, what we've heard from admin or what the future of frat culture will be that you've heard or anything else that I didn't talk about that you wanna quickly get off your chest? I think at this point, like it's very up in the air. Like from what I understand, um, I don't know that Penn has said anything. Um, and I think it's to be seen if they if they will say anything about what happened. All right, thank you so much. That's all for our first episode. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
Welcome to Penn Daily. I'm your host, Julia Van Lair. Today is October 6, 2021. Welcome to the first episode of our brand new podcast, bringing you weekly news recaps and in-depth interviews with DP reporters. Every Tuesday and Friday, tune into Penn Daily for a short, insightful look into top stories.